Paul McCartney, what are you doing? You're wasting my time. You used to be decent. You're a Beatle, for goodness sake. Why can't you release any decent music anymore? Welcome to Different Times Podcast, episode number 26. This is the half year mark. And to celebrate, Daniel's not here with me. Uh, me and Mr. Puggles are going to be taking the reins here. He's looking at me quite confused. Are you confused, P? not very talkative right now but me and him uh, we're going to dig deep into an episode I've called Q or Not Q and basically what I've done here much like Paul gets terrorised that episode when Daniel could also not make it have I mentioned Daniel can't make this episode yet if, is that clear well duh so terroriser Many moons ago now, um, I can't remember which episode it was, but it did happen. We did that Terrorizer special. Basically, I got some issues of Terrorizer, chose albums at random from that that I'd never heard before, and decided to rate them and try and discover new music and what was the best possible music I could find within those pages. Now, Terrorizer magazine had a circulation of, well, it's got a circulation of zero now, because uh, I think it's gone. I think it's completely gone. Don't know if it's coming back. There hasn't been a, a proper issue for many, many months. And the one that was sort of semi-released, I couldn't find anywhere in any shops. Uh, but Q magazine's got a circulation of 44,000, roughly, according to Wikipedia, uh, the bigger ones, I would say, are classic rock. That's a, It's got a bigger circulation, but I haven't got two uh, issues of classic rock in front of me. I've got two issues of Q magazine. So I've got one from Aeons Ago, February 1990, with Tanita Tickerham on the front cover. Now, one thing I would tell you uh, about this is that the old-style covers of Q magazines... Uh, they're proper rotten. They are rubbish. So what they normally would do, and this happened for a few years now, and I don't remember, to be honest with you, when I started buying it. I know it wasn't my regular thing. I was far more into uh, the likes of NME, Melody Maker. I, I was too late, too young for sounds, unfortunately. Um, what else did I used to get? I used to get Kerrang! and Raw constantly so they they were the my go-tos but q was one that i picked up every now and again if i liked whoever was on the cover but i do remember these covers were shit so you had like um like the one i'm looking at now and i'm sure you can see it if you're looking at the uh the sort of front cover of this episode you've got tanita sikram is the bigger picture but you've also got three pictures of other bands there and it's really muddled and big it looks like a periodical rather than a, a magazine. So you've got a picture of the Christians at the top. You've got the Stone Roses in the middle. And you've got Paul McCartney doing a live show at the bottom. And it just, I don't know, it looks really terrible. This is the 41st issue of it, looking at the spine right now. February 1990. I'm also going to take it right up to date, choosing three albums from quite a new edition um let's have a look at that no we'll go into that in a bit so we're going to start with the old edition from 1990 so as i say i'm choosing three albums that i have not heard before whether it's an artist i've never heard of or just an uh, artist that i have heard of but it's an album i've never listened to before so they're the rules and basically i'm going to give each one a rating out of 10 and at the end i'm going to pick one out of the six albums that i think i would recommend to you our listeners that's good rulings puggles has already fallen asleep he's not going to help me in any way this was a bad plan but let's fire away now
So here we go. Paul McCartney is my first pick from this 1990 issue. He is currently in the issue, as I just mentioned, celebrating his uh, very massively successful world tour. First one he's done in a long time, playing lots of old Beatles shit uh, and also his new-ish tracks. The most recent album that he's done is Flowers in the Dirt. Never heard of that before. And I tell you as to why. Let it be. I knew it came out, but I had completely lost interest. So he released an album before this called Press to Play, which was pretty terrible. As a kid, that was my moment. I gave up on him. I was well into Paul McCartney, though. When I first come over to this country, I had a, a cousin called David, and he had a few tapes, and he would bring them over whenever he came over to visit because uh, I was staying at my nan's. So there we go. That's my life history. That was interesting, wasn't it? But through his tapes, he had Meatloaf and some stuff like that. But he also had Paul McCartney's Tug of War album. And that was terrific. And I really liked it. So when Pipes of Peace come out the following year in 83, I saved up my pocket money and I bought it. And it it was, I don't know, 1983 for me was the best year for music, pop music that is. Because I was just, as a kid, it, I was discovering everything. Like every, all my musical foundations now are based on that year when I was a bloody toddler <laughs> loving music, buying all these seven inches. Every now and again, I'd get an LP or a, a tape or something like that. And yeah, Pipes of Peace was one of the first ones I ever bought. I, I just loved it. I loved the Michael Jackson duet on it, Say, Say, Say. But I actually loved a song called Average Person, like, so much it was as a kid you would just imagine it's the equivalent of say offspring um doing why don't you get a job or something now so it's that sort of cheesy catchy sort of stuff when i'm talking to a former engine driver You also had that Christmas number one that year, Pipes of Peace itself. Um, I loved it. Anyway, next year, following that, or maybe two years later, he did Give My Regards. He did a Rupert song, actually. I remember that somewhere along the line. Uh, that was Pile of Bollocks. Hated that. But then he did Give My Regards to Broad Street, and very much um, sort of not loved by the fans. Reading his biography recently. Yeah, it didn't go down very well, but I really rated it. I really liked it. It's got that no more lonely nights. That's a good tune, isn't it? Anyway, so it's got that on it. So what what happened after that? He released that fucking awful press to play album. All of a sudden, the fans that didn't like Give My Regards to Broad Street are already like Paul McCartney. What you're doing? You're wasting my time. You used to be decent. You're a Beatle for goodness sake. Why can't you release any decent music anymore? He then puts out Flowers in the Dirt, 1989. And that is where Q sort of picks up on this. So the reviews were pretty good the, the previous years, but this year they're concentrating on giving him a few pages because he's doing the live show in support of it. And the photos are incredible on this. And, of course, looking through at the front, on the, the piece itself and also on the back, it doesn't credit whoever took those photos, but I've got to gotta say, they're, they're pretty great. Um, so, here we go. Let you look inside If I never did it I was only waiting For a better moment that didn't come There never could be A better moment Than this one This one This one is lighting Above the ocean A god is riding Upon his back How calm the water And bright the rainbow Fade this one To black you on the cheek say that you were mine 
If you, by the way, if you can hear stuff going on, Claire is upstairs banging around. Don't know what she's doing. The the washing machine is on in the other room. There's noise everywhere. It is. It's, I don't know. I don't know why I'm choosing to do this now. I just. I just feel like. Uh, I feel like it's important that we don't miss a day. And I've been wanting to talk about Q Magazine for a while. My Brave Face, that was the uh, the, the opening track single of the album. And I've got to say, it's, it's pretty good. It's really mumsy. It's really mumsy. But I don't mind a bit of Paul McCartney mumsy. It's it's good, all right? But is it is it... Is it something I'm going to recommend to you? Probably not. David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. He plays guitar on the track on this called We Got Married. Have a listen to it. I'm going to play it now. Now, I would never have guessed uh, until the halfway point that uh, Gilmore was on this uh, in any way, shape, nor form. And after reading the biography, I, I knew that Elvis Costello, uh, he did maybe uh, some production or co-writing credits. This is just my memory. I can't, can't remember from for sure. But I don't hear any Elvis on this at all. But yeah, you really do. At the halfway point, you can tell David Gilmore is on there. What other other things that are noteworthy about this? I would say the song "This One" is is noteworthy. Um, yeah, it's a typical track. Holds. Uh, it's got this really sickly melody, uh, and it really holds on to it. Sticks with it. It rolls with that melody. But then there is so much sort of. I'm not going to say filler, but average stuff as well. There's a song called "Distractions." And it begins interesting enough where it's got spacious instrumentation. But when the song itself begins and like the, the drums kick in, it's so smooth. It's so like I mentioned Mumsy earlier. It's not a good Mumsy. It's like, oh, mum, I hate coming around to yours because you play this shit music. Turn it off. Another appalling track, this one, Rough Ride. I think it's I think it was the second track, actually. Uh, I'm not looking at the track listing, but it's really early on. Rough Ride. Terrible, terrible song. It's appalling through and through, that one, from beginning to end. The very final song on there, Motor of Love. I do remember this one. I'm looking at my notes now, and I just wrote Total Puke. Now, I know a lot of people that are into Paul McCartney and like, or people into Paul McCartney? Yeah, yeah, people into Paul McCartney. I just think that, it's nowhere near his best. He, even this most recent album that he's put out, 
this year, 2018. There, there's so many stinkers on it and a few okay. That far cue, <laughs> that song is so bad. It's like he's got no, he's got no, um, I don't know. He's got no bullshit detector anymore. It's just gone. Ugh. All right. So four out of ten for Paul McCartney's Flowers in the Dirt. Next up, Tanita Tickerum, The Sweet Keeper from 1990. So this, she's on the front cover of this one. The album is just coming out. Now, I was a massive fan of the first album uh, growing up. It is one of the things that uh, I bought for £3.95 in Funhouse Records on a whim for, I might like this, I might not. I really, really loved it as a kid. Those melodies and her sort of um, sort of whiskey-soaked, smoky voice. was very unusual. And it really did things, it stirred things. <laughs> stirred things in me as a kid. Uh, I, I really liked that album. Of course, that was it. Why didn't I follow it up? There was a single, We Almost Did It Together or something like that. We almost got it together. That's what it's called. That I bought. Didn't like it. And then stopped following Tanita Tickerum completely. Uh, and that song I've re-listened to because this it's in The Sweet Keeper. And yeah, it's really good. Don't know why I didn't like it as a kid. Maybe it's because it was like trying a little bit too hard. Uh, and I could sort of see through it. Whereas that first album just seemed like everything just fell out of her. You know, just naturally like spewed out of her onto vinyl. Unfortunately for Tanita, each album that she's made has made less money than the one before it. It's sold less well. I interviewed her, in fact, on her two albums ago, touring cycle. Really nice lady. And it was really interesting to like get an insight. Um, I did mention that I was a kid when I first heard her. And I, I wish I hadn't said that because it makes people feel really uneasy. It makes them feel really old <laughs> because I'm well old. So God knows how old she is. In the interview, so as I say, she's on the front cover and in the interview, it's quite a big one. And it's really, I don't know, Q magazine, uh, if you're a reader of Q, you'll know that it's it's not in depth like a classic rock. It doesn't really dig very deep. It's when uh, Maxim... And FHM, was that FM, FM, F something, FMH? I don't know, whatever that magazine was called. But there was a few like lad mags around at the time. And when they did their big interviews, it's sort of what Q was like when they did their big interviews. It's all right, it's brushing the surface, it's trying to get quotes out of them, but there's no like passion involved. It always feels like that reviewer or that interviewer or that journalist is just doing it for the job and that's it so you you never get that sense of like digging deep to find out what makes the artist tick what you're actually getting is uh, almost but not quite tabloid journalism so if you can skirt over that and of course i can don't mind i don't mind that at all i like all sorts of uh, styles of writing then you can get with it but in all honesty, the interview was a bit of a bit of a hodgepodge of like some some decent questions asked, then some just trash. It's done in the style where the journalist is travelling with them, so that that is at least good. So like you know they're they're spending some quality time with the artist, but still don't get a lot out of it. But one thing I did pick up from it, she mentions that she wrote this whole second album while she was in the hotel rooms, while she was on the very first album's tour. So that, I don't know if that's a good thing, if that's a bad thing. As I say, this album's pretty good. It really sounds of its time, but it stood the test of time as well. And I think that's because her voice is so luscious and her arrangements are so traditional. There's a track on this called It All Came Back Today, and it's beautiful. It's got this minimal uh, and traditional instrumentation with it. And in places... um, it sounds like a crass soundtrack uh, to the most saccharine scenes in The Hobbit. You know, you know the, not the, the good Lord of the Rings stuff, but like when The Hobbit is doing those saccharine, like, you know, that's an important, poignant moment. And you've got them silly pipes going on. There's some of that going on on here. 
but it doesn't ruin it because elsewhere, even on the same track, sometimes the way she like picks her guitar, it sounds like this Nick Drake curio that you've not heard before. I'm, I'm, Really would recommend this one. I, I would recommend Ancient Heart way, way more. But The Sweet Keeper ain't shit. It's pretty good. I think what song am I going to choose here? I'm going to choose... Uh, I'm looking down this track list, right? And there's this song, before I give you that, there's a song called Consider the Rain. And it that was, I think, that was the only bit of filler on this whole thing. Yeah, that's right. It was the only bit of filler. The track I'm going to choose for you to listen to here is Little Sister Leaving Town. If you like that, you really are going to like the whole of this album. Um, I'm going to give it 7 out of 10. This is getting a 7. It's nowhere near the 8, as I say, that Ancient Dreams is. But it's pretty fucking good. Now, the final album from this Q magazine, this Q delight of a magazine, is going to be David Byrne. Now... All these artists I knew before, so I'm cheating a little bit, but all these albums I'd not heard before. Now, this David Byrne one, I listened to the album, his solo album that came out this year, and I, at first I really liked it, but it didn't last long, that initial, like, oh, this is not too bad. You know, you get that sometimes when you're expecting something to be a bit shit, but it turns out, actually, this is quite good. It didn't last, like, the ride of the year, at least it did that thing. At least it did that thing where you're like, oh, hello, I like a bit of this. Now, where I would recommend him, of course, is from his uh, Talking Heads days. Who wouldn't? I mean, that that's obvious. But also, uh, his work with Brian Eno is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I'd rate it above Talking Heads. So if you can uh, dig some of that stuff out, that's what I would recommend to you. And there's a, an album, in fact, um, by the two of them called My Life in the Bush of Ghosts. If you can get hold of that, uh, I'm pretty sure it's on Spotify. It's just, oh, oh, I don't know how, I think it was 81, maybe the end of 80. I can't remember for sure, but it's around that time. Uh, it's such a great collaboration. Honestly, 
it's better than every single thing that I listen to for this Q thing, that's for sure. But let's not talk about that. We're talking about Q. We're talking about Q in 1990. Terrible year for music, 1990. I just want you to know. Don't care what you're saying to me right now. It was awful compared to what had gone before it. Uh, well, it was for me. Uh, this David Byrne album, right? It's called Ray Mimo, R-E-I. Then there's a gap and then the word Mimo, M-E-M-O. It's from 1989 and it's his very first solo album at the time. And you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. Jesus Christ, those first two tracks on this are, I wrote in my notes, somewhat horrific. And you may find yourself in another part of the world. It really is. And it's not from the lack of the production skills on here. The production on this is incredible. Like, the amount of work that's gone into it, you can really hear it. There's this, On the second track, it's like the final minute. I think the song's called Make Believe Mambo. Um, let me just check. Yeah, Make Believe Mambo. And bloody hell, like, the work that went into that last minute, like, if you're not um, a musician, if you if you just like to consume music, um, then you may not have the same sort of experience I have. But I just know the amount of hours upon hours upon hours of getting that last minute right and yet i've got nothing from it just like a load of sick all piled up into a bin and then poured all over the mixing desk it's fucking horrible it's like fucking horrible (laughs) i don't know what to say Uh, if you make it to the three-quarter point in this album you've got a, a, a track called lie to me and it's really difficult i got to this point and it was really difficult for me to then force myself to listen on. Um, I'm not really selling this. The The best song that I could find on the album uh, is a real weird one. It's a track number three. It's called The Call of the Wild. And it sort of starts off with frog noises and stuff. And, and until the beats come in, I'm, I'm like, oh, I quite like this. I quite dig this. It's a three out of ten. I'm not going to go too deep into this because I don't want to be mean. I think I've been really flipping mean so far. But yeah, so the best one from this... Let me think. Yeah, the best one from this queue is definitely Tanita Tikaram. So there we go. Seven out of ten for Tanita Tikaram. The Sweet Keeper. So now we're coming right up to date, and this is another Q magazine. Of course it is. The uh, title of this is Q and Not Q. Wolf Alice is on the front cover. This is from 2018. Let's see what month it came out. Where did I keep my notes there? July this year, this one come out. Wolf Alice on the cover. Um, I just want to say straight off, Q has improved its covers. Now, unfortunately, what they've done, the size is a lot smaller, but it's still bigger than a normal Kerrang! or something like that. But the paper quality here is so thin. It's so thin. You know, like um, the Sunday supplements that you get, like the Times or whatever? Very much like that. Now, this magazine, I still not finished reading, and I've been reading it for almost three weeks now. Uh, it is jam-packed. The writing quality is so much better than what it used to be. The uh, the questions uh, are airy and the journalism is, is airy. I mean, it's very it's very much like it used to be, but there there is a far more adult slant to it rather than a, oi, lads, have a read of this before you go down the boozer and do your boozing. 
that's how the lads talk around my way. So we've got three albums coming up for this one. Now, one band I'd not heard of before at all. One band was something that I used to love so much. And then second album in was like, fuck this. I'm not a fan any longer. And then the third album was a band I've heard of. Uh, I know there's a lot of hype about them. So I thought I'd give them a go. And there we go. So band number one, Goat Girl from London. Never heard. I'm going to give this one eight out of ten. It's definitely an 8 out of 10. It's self-titled album from this year. It's on Rough Trade. I'm already interested. The cover is like a, a colourful splurge painting. Um, I don't really get it. I don't care. I went record shopping today and asked two different record shops if they had it. Both said no. So I think it looks like I might have to order it. I played it for Claire. Claire was like, yeah, it's all right. It's just like a, it's sort of like a not as good savages. I, I think Savages are like not as good goat girl. Yeah. Uh, the interview, anyway, was a great introduction piece to the band. Uh, again, what they've done, the journalists has followed them around for a few days. They come across as like down to earth. It's four women. I don't know what else to say about them, really. I didn't learn their names. They're not like the Beatles and like you have your favourite one yet. Uh, but like, what was great about this, it reminded me of like early Nirvana interviews where they're sort of embarrassed about the fame that's been like like spunked on top of them. It's really weird. I I quite like it. It's quite refreshing to, to read bands that like are not too into it. it. says the record label pretty much forced their hand to give them any social media. They didn't want any social media presence. They just wanted to be like found in a completely DIY style. And if people latched on, they latched on. Uh, they're from the Brixton Windmill scene. Uh, and if you know that area, um, Ohm's uh, the band that I'm in, we played one of our very early shows there. And the, the club was great. There was a couple of dogs on the roof uh, that would just like guard over you and look over you. And um, I don't know. It reminded me of a venue called the Red Eye that used to be in London somewhere. That, that was like, you had all the like, the people in the know. The people in the know would be there. And it wasn't a hipster type place. You just, if you were into good underground music, you would know that most of your favourite bands would be playing there at some point. There was a line in uh, Q that described uh, Goat Girl. Described them. And it said they were part of the new wave of anti-folk. And I don't see that at all. Like, I don't know about the new wave of anti-folk. Anti-folk to me was uh, stuff like Jeffrey Lewis, guys like that, and like the Mouldy Peaches. Uh, and there, there ain't a lot of that on here. Yeah, so I don't see that, to be honest. But I, as I say, stuck this album on, instantly fell for it. Uh, have a listen to this. This is called The Man...
been a single called the man which has got a great video to it so yeah I, I dug this so much i actually started watching all the videos on youtube and whatnot the one issue i've got with it and the reason why it's not higher than an eight is just because the songs are very short and i don't mind that but there's a lot of them and it feels very bitty like the songs haven't been worked out and although there is a charm to that i really hope the next record doesn't do that too much although i don't want them to lose the adventurous quality that there is by doing that so yeah it's like for me no matter what they do they're going to win or also to me no matter what they're going to do they're going to lose so i don't know but it's exciting like because i feel like i've discovered a new band that i actually enjoy their, their harmonies i think is what does it for me they're really lazy they're like that sounds awful but it is a, such a lazy hazy like style of harmonizing that they do there's a song called Viperfish, and like they do it on that and it's just like oh i love that it's like total slacker dirty stoner type vibe about it and yeah I, i'm bang up for it goat girl eight out of ten so what would be next next it's garbage So I used to love garbage. I was sort of quite, as a young teenager, I think I was a young teenager at that point, I was really into my seven inches. And like I would go to Canterbury and I'll be flicking through the, uh, the seven inch bin at Parrot Records and Richards Records. And one week, garbage uh, showed up. And like this was before the album came out and it was just, there was one that was all black. There was one that was made out of rubber. There was one that was all furry. And it was just like, what is this band doing? I knew nothing about them. Didn't know that Butch Vig, who had just made or recorded my favourite album, of course, Nirvana, at the time. I didn't know that he was involved in it. I just knew that it was this awesome new rock band that dabbled in electronic elements but there was it was there was something oddly i thought there was something very english about it like knowing that the majority of the musicians are not english at all now is a bit weird but that's what i felt i just felt like it was something close to me and i as soon as i got that very first one no matter what it was i can't remember now but i just had to get all the other seven inches then enemy did a piece or melody maker they did a piece, one of the two, always getting mucked up, really sorry, about garbage. And I was like, oh, okay, there's this female singer, got that, I sort of knew that, didn't know what she looked like, do now. So Shirley Manson's there, and then Butch Vig's involved. And of course, at that point, it just like I'm like, oh, now am I going to like this? Am I not going to like it? Because at the time, I just remember, like, Nirvana was so big, I didn't trust it. I didn't I didn't trust my own I didn't trust my own taste I guess is what I'm trying to say I was like it could so easily be let down but that first record that first garbage record I really I really loved it front to back and I still do listen to it recently and yeah really good now I would hang around with my friend Doug who was a much bigger garbage fan than me it was in one of my I think my very first band who was in with me and we would just talk go to his bedroom and talk about bands all the time and Garbage was one that he used to just love and chat about and I remember him being so excited when volume two was about to come out I found it and I don't know and I well let's put it this way at the time I hated it when it came out I, I was just like this is not for me I've moved on I'm into this weird k records underground shit i'm into like uk punk rock i i want to listen to like the most weird stuff like a veil was coming through scared of chucker was coming through there was all this underground us punk rock that i was starting to get into uh, and then i was also into all my like weird off kilter slint type stuff as well 
garbage was like, no, I'm not into this, sorry. But then I thought, stop being an elitist prick, Paul. And I listened to it a few years ago. And yeah, I was right. It's not very good. It's not for me anyway. But I'm not I'm not the sort of person that gives up on a band. I'm not going to give up. So, looking through this queue, who's interviewed but Shirley Manson. Strange Little Birds was their most recent album. It came out 2016. So it's like three, three years old now. Maybe two and a bit. Who knows? But yeah, 2016 it came out. Shirley does the thing called Cash for Questions, which is a segment in the magazine where all the readers write in. They get money for writing questions in. And if they're read out, you get like 20 quid or a record, whatever. I don't know. don't know what they do. But anyway, it was really good. Really interesting um, to, to hear her answers. The best thing I found out was that she said that Marilyn Manson is the best smelling celebrity she's ever met. And she said he smelt like expensive cleaning products. So, yeah, if that's the sort of interview questions you want, and I know it is, because what I want, then that's what Q is delivering. This album made the top 20 in both the UK and the USA. It's okay. Like, it's not horrible. But then there's this song that opens up. It's called Sometimes. Have a listen. Take a beating Sometimes I'd rather take a punch I learn more when I am bleeding You knock me down but I get up Sometimes I need to forgive you Sometimes I want to destroy Sometimes I know it was not good this song it's a perfect song to open up that garbage album with this i freaking loved it everything i would want from garbage (laughs) when i heard that i was like what it's better than anything else i've heard by garbage it was just great loved it sometimes banger all day all night every day every night But then you have to listen to the rest of the album. And the rest of the album, man, there is some stuff that is slightly above filler. Like Night Drive Loneliness. I'll tell you something about that song, actually. It it contains one of those infamous garbage key changes. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't know. (laughs) There is also this turgid crawl of a song called Amends. Now, I mentioned that uh, Night Drive Loneliness was like above 
filler. This is slightly below filler. Like it's not even as good as filler. Amends is horrible. And the album flips between slightly above filler, slightly below filler. Uh, apart from that opening, just killing, killing track of sometimes. Now, the only other thing I will say about this is there's a great picture of her in um, when she did the Sarah Connor Chronicles. She played the Terminator in that TV program. I love that. So, yeah, bonus points. She's getting an extra point on top of that. But it's still, she's only getting a six for this album. Garbage, six out of ten. He ain't no goat girl, I'll tell you that. that I didn't get me stirry, didn't stir up and fire up my uh, my endorphins and I'm thinking, oh, man, I love this band. I want to really get into them. No, it's just like, just such a killer song, though, to open with. Like, how they were thinking of following it up. I, I guess sometimes you don't need to. If, if you're releasing a new album, stick your, your one new good song in that set. Play the rest greatest hits. Bang, you're away. Yeah, there we go. Garbage. So we're finishing up with the final band, the third band from this queue from 2018. It's Wolf Alice, the cover stars here. They're also from London, just like the uh, Goat Girl ladies were. Now, these guys, I've seen a video. I saw it on actual television on some sort of program. God knows what it was, but I really didn't like it. Now, the reason why I picked this was because they won the Mercury Prize, I think, recently. Um, if I'm wrong, I've not got any notes here, so I'm just having a, a guess. But I think they won the Mercury Prize. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I must be missing out on something. Maybe. Maybe I am. So give it a go. Five out of ten, this. Five out of ten. Listen to this song. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. This is Sad Boy. So why did I play that one? Well, I think it's the best moment on there for me. Um, it's uh, The album's called, I don't know if I mentioned it, the album's called Visions of a Life. Sorry if I didn't mention it. Yeah, so it, Sad Boy, it's got this great forward momentum, as you just heard, and a great vocal track with it when she gets riled. But that's it. You know, I thought for some reason they would sound a lot like this band that I really love. I think they're from Brighton, called Espen the Witch. Uh, but alas... Nah, it's not. Um, the the instrumentation and the dynamic range of Espen and the Witch, right, is so much greater and so much more expansive than here. And I should. It's unfair to compare them to a band that doesn't really sound like them. But I'm gonna do that anyway. It's my fucking podcast, isn't it? So yeah, it, there there is a couple of tracks, right? There's an up tempo banger on air called Space and Time. 
and it hooks you in, it hooks you back in when you started drifting off. But unlike that David Byrne album earlier, there is stuff on here that makes you think there might be something interesting around the corner. You know, that David Byrne one was just so, such a slog to get through. Once you've got what he was doing, that was it. But not with Wolf Alice. At least they're trying different stuff. It's just not anything that appeals to me. There was a moment in here where one of the vocals, I can't remember what song it was now, but it sounded similar to Lush. And uh, I was like, oh, that's quite nice. That reminds me of Lush. I'm going to go and listen to Lush. You don't want to do that when you're listening to a band. You don't want to think, I'd rather listen to another band that sounds vaguely similar at some point to this. So, yeah. And there's also a song I really hate called Don't Delete the Kissed. In fact, did I give this a five? I'm giving it a four just because they put Don't Delete the Kissed on this. It's horrible. It's got talky bits in it that's so bad, right? It's so bad. Now, uh, to finish off, this... Uh, oh, what can I say? This album, this album, which is called... <laughs> let me have a look visions of a life right so i listened to this one twice unfortunately this got ranked number one album of the year for drowned in sound i mean that's mad right nme said it was the second best album of that year q itself q itself rated it album number three of 2017 out of their 50 best albums number three like that's mad that's fucking horrible. Like, yeah, my, maybe Q is just not for me. But then again, if I hadn't read this new Q, I wouldn't have discovered Goat Girl. And yeah, Goat Girl are my winners. So Goat Girl, 8 out of 10. They're from London. It's on Rough Trade. There, It's a self-titled album called Goat Girl. You're often described as the gang. Are you like a gang? Yeah, we're a gang. We'll we'll um we'll kill you. Fucking get it. Um, if you can find it, as I say, I went to two record shops today. No joy at all. But it's on Spotify. I'm sure you can get it from Amazon or wherever. So yeah, there we go. Thanks for listening. If you are gonna um, ever come back after Daniel's like giving you the 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 heave ho today, just rejected you. I know you're all wanting to hear his like witticisms, his lovely like slurry drunk voice and whatnot then it, well he's told me he's assured me we'll be back next saturday i'm paul waller thanks a lot for listening you can find us under twitter on not Weller pod you can find me on instagram as different times podcast and you can find me on facebook under paul waller because that's my name waller not weller Well, duh.